You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Well, welcome back to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Tiffany Haviducci. I am your host for today, and I am sitting again. We got the band back together. Yeah, here uh, here with Jenna Kraft. Uh, you are at the 528 campus, That's right? right? Part of our women's teaching team. You serve with students there as well. And Yancey Arrington, teaching pastor centrally. So a little bit of uh, all the campuses get to see you. Um, yeah. regularly here and there yeah. here and there awesome yeah. well today we're going to continue this um podcast series that we have called a closer look where we're taking a look at some doctrines that come up as we study um second peter corporately and so this week we have uh some mentions of prophecy and prophets mm-hmm. and um i think this is an interesting conversation this is my opinion you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think this conversation gets muddy really easily yeah because if you uh, mention the word prophecy, everybody sort of has a different idea of what that means sure. depending on maybe their church experience or the way they learn things as they were coming up um, in the faith. And so maybe we start there. What is this doctrine? Um, and also, is there a difference? Because it seems to be like there's a little bit of a difference between this in the Old Testament and the New. So let's start there, big picture, and then we'll work our way through the topic. Well, it was funny this morning, um, just as I was getting ready for this, I was driving my kids to school and I was like, I'm going to see what they think. And so I was driving them to school and I just asked my kids, like, what what do you think a prophet is or what a prophecy is? And immediately my daughter said, oh, I know, it's a fortune teller. Mm. I said, okay, (laughs) tell me a little bit more about that. And so she went on to tell me that she had just read this book about um, someone that was a dragon slayer and when they were younger that... Um, Someone said a prophecy over them that they were going Mm -hmm. to grow up to become, you know, the ultimate dragon slayer and they were Mm going to defeat, you know, the dragons. And, and so I said, okay, that's actually really helpful. That's a good example. And so really what I was thinking about is um, it's easy for us to take ideas that we have about what prophecy is, Mm -hmm. Um, other places that we've heard of it. So she was reading a fantasy fiction novel and taking that idea of what a prophet is and we could we could do something like that. And maybe we think of it like a horoscope or a fortune cookie or like Nostradamus, who was this uh, 15th century um, prophesier, you know, who used this like poetic mystical language to, you know, people think that he was predicting events in the future. Yeah. Um, so I think we can take our categories and our ideas of what a prophet is or what a prophecy is and then take that to when we're reading the Bible. But I think what we really want to do in this podcast is kind of demystify mm-hmm. the the idea of what a prophet is and to look at, okay, when the Bible talks about a prophet, what is the Bible saying? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I think that's such a good story because we we tend to get our heads filled. We We, we have all these terms in our head when we read the Bible, but we fill them with cultural definitions, Mm -hmm. what we see in our movies, what we see on our, whether it's fantasy novels or what have you. And when you look at the Bible, you you have some, a little more narrowed focus on what, what prophecy is. Although I do think people would be surprised uh, to kind of know at least how, uh, let's say it this way. Prophecy in the Bible seems to have two different definitions, depending on which part of the Bible you're in. Mm -hmm. So there's an old Testament kind of prophecy that is uh, working and going on, uh, and really not even through all the Old Testament, but just in uh, kind of fits and starts through uh, the minor prophets. I mean, the, the names even major prophets, but it's not like there's just prophecy going on all the time. 
But there were prophets in the Old Testament, and their function, I mean, if you listen to guys like uh, Fee and Stewart, who have written the book, uh, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, they would say that the primary role, and I, this is how I was trained and taught uh, in my undergrad and, and grad school, uh, was that the main role of prophets in the Old Testament was covenant enforcement. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> what that would look like is uh, God's called Israel to a certain way that they want, uh, he wants them to relate to him. And the prophets would show up when they weren't doing that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like even today, when we talk about, I, I train preachers and uh, there are certain preachers that always want to drive towards where there's not alignment and someone's doing something wrong. And that's how they go to, I mean, they, they always just, they gravitate to it like moth to a light. And that's kind of a prophetic person. That's what we'd say. And we're using a term, frankly, from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. That's really what they did. Did they have elements where they talked about the future? Absolutely. But most, if you were to take their 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 speaking moments, it's really about how Israel or Judah hasn't done what God has told them to do. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, they do have moments where they talk about the future and sometimes quite big chunks. And for an Old Testament prophet, they're saying words that God has given them, and every word they say is equivalent to Scripture. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's fully authoritative in all of its details. So that's the Old Testament. But when you get to the New Testament, there's been a shift. And we know that there's been a shift by the way the text treats prophets, the way uh, the, the Paul talks about prophecy in books like 1 Corinthians, mm-hmm. uh, the way the prophets actually act. And so I, here's how I have it in my head. Uh, the, the prophets in the Old Testament, I mean, that was, they were capital P prophets. They said something, just slide it into the Bible because that's what it was. Mm-hmm. New Testament prophets are different. They're lowercase uh, prophets. Uh, in other words, they, they have a different definition. Now, let me just put my cards on the table. One of the the books I, I think is best, uh, most influential for me, and I think it's the, one of the best books out there on prophecy, is a book called The Gift of Prophecy by Wayne Grudem, uh, which was super helpful. I read it, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, but it still shaped a lot of how I thought he gave the best biblical arguments for what prophecy looks like, at least in the New Testament and today. And the argument today would be, the New Testament on, is that uh, prophecy is uh, when someone... Uh, Someone reports in human words what the Holy Spirit has brought to their mind to to, to share with somebody. Uh, and so that's what actually what we see in the New Testament. We see folks who apparently had that happen to them a lot. They were known as prophets, but they weren't considered like equal to Old Testament prophets. Again, these are the lowercase prophets. So uh, just to kind of finish this little part here, um, if, if I had a New Testament corollary to Old Testament prophets, I'd say those are the apostles. Mm-hmm. So capital P, prophet would be a, a capital A apostle in the New Testament. Uh, and so, in fact, uh, th- there's, a, there's scriptures all, all throughout it, but second, you know, we're in, we're in, we're in Peter. Uh, so Second Peter, though, says, Second Peter 3, 2 says, you should remember the predictions, so do we, we do have some kind of future telling, of the holy prophets and commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So here and even in one sentence, they've, they've equated them. That's not a New Testament uh, prophet. That, that's a different game, and, and, and what we can talk about that. So when we say what's, what's a prophet, it just depends on where that prophet lies in biblical history. Old Testament, you listen to everything they have to say because what they're saying is essentially, thus saith the Lord. New Testament prophecy is a little different, a little different. Mm-hmm. And I think it helps me to really, so to break it down, like prophecy as a noun is just a message from God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
um, prophecy as a verb is to then proclaim that message from God. And then a prophet is to, to do that, right? To prophesy, like to proclaim that message of God. And I loved what you said, Yancy, about like in the Old Testament that um, really like the Torah and the prophets were working together, that sure. the prophets did not just occur out of nowhere, but they were, there was a context for the prophets. They weren't just predicting these random events. And so some of them do sometimes point towards future events. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the times they really are, like you said, I've heard, um, I've heard it said they were covenant lawyers. Mm, that's, that's a great, <laughs> that's a, that's great, a great yeah. term. They were covenant lawyers. Right, right. That they are really, um, they're very concerned about uh, the the covenant with God and Israel that they've entered into this covenant agreement together. So oftentimes it's um, it's about their loyalty to God, their faithfulness to God, and their their treatment of the poor, the oppression of the poor. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's good to even know that in the Old Testament that it's not like they're just predicting these random events; that it really is tied to the law. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great. It's yeah, great. I love it. Okay, so what I hear you saying is. Um, there's a little bit of a difference between Old Testament and New Testament prophets, mm-hmm. prophecy, right? Old Testament, uh, it's like an office, and it was what they said was equivalent to Scripture. It's a little different from New Testament, so a one-to-one correlation is more like prophet to apostle, not prophet to prophet. Correct. Right? Old Testament Capital prophet to, to, okay. a, yeah, to an apostle. Awesome. New. And a good d- definition is speaking something that the Holy Spirit feels like he's leading you to, to say in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's a good point too, because like in the Old Testament, if if a prophet were to misspeak, that had some serious consequences. Oh, for sure, right? So that's a little bit different yeah. too. Where in the New Testament, we're told to weigh it. We can get into that in a second. But I mean, Deuteronomy eighteen twenty, just for everyone mm-hmm. to know. But the prophet Old Testament, but the but the Old Testament prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. So the the margin for error when you gave a prophecy in the Old Testament mm-hmm. was. Zero. You had right. no margin forever. But yes, that's a big distinction between then and the New Testament. Yeah, for so, sure. Okay, so then let's talk about some biblical um, support for these things. So is there a text that we can go to, or is there evidence in the Bible that supports this view of this doctrine that we just sort of laid out? Let's start there. Yeah, so, uh, well, there's a, there's a bunch of different passages. What you have are like um, Acts 21, you have Agabus who sees Paul and says he has basically like it's 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 a, a prophecy combined with kind of a vision. He sees this, has had some kind of idea in his head <clears throat> that he believes the Holy Spirit's laid upon him. Where he takes, I, I believe he takes like Paul's belt and uh, maybe he just shopped at Tecovis. I don't know how he had a belt, but he had a belt. And he binds basically Paul and says, listen, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a bunch of your fellow countrymen, your Jewish countrymen, uh, they're, they're, they're taking you to your death. And because of that, I feel like the Lord's let me let you know that you don't need to go to Jerusalem. And so I, we can go back to that prophecy later as, as to its fidelity or not. But that was, he, he had this sense that he needed to share something with Paul mm-hmm. and he did so. And so now when you get into like the pastoral epistles, the letters, I should say, uh, I mean, really the main one is first Corinthians. Mm-hmm. There, there are other places, but for the most part, we don't have a lot of, material or teaching stuff about uh, didactic material about prophecy. We just don't uh, mm-hmm. because uh, there's some argument that even by the time the church started to get established that the gift of prophecy was starting to wane. I'm not here to argue that or not. That's mm-hmm. just, a, that's, that's why you only see it in like uh, the letters to Corinth because Corinth is, those are some of the earliest letters that, that were written, mm-hmm. but you don't see much of that at the back end. Nevertheless, Corinth obviously or apparently had 
uh, all kinds of spiritual gift questions and issues. <laughs> and so 1 Corinthians 14.1, Paul says, pursue love because they were struggling to you know, even like each other. Uh, and they all wanted to be superior to the next with whoever had spiritual gifts. And so, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And then later on in verse five, he says, now I want you to speak, uh, I want you to speak in tongues uh, because they were struggling about what that looked like. And that's a whole nother podcast. But he says, but even more to prophesy for the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in the tongue unless someone interprets. And then he gives a reason so, so that the church may be built up. So what we know is that Whatever prophecy looked like in the New Testament, at least we can even be more specific, in Corinth, Paul said it has to be done in a fashion where whatever's going on, the end result is the church is edified, not an individual. The church mm-hmm. is being built up, missions moving forward. And so uh, that those are the kind of places, and Jenna may have others in her head or you know, on her heart about to share, but those are some of the places that we talk about prophecy. Later on, he'll say, uh, when you're in a service and someone wants, to, someone wants to prophesy, let two or three of them speak, and then it says, you've got to weigh what they say, which uh, we can get into that here in a bit. But mm-hmm. those are the passages to me uh, that stand out in, in my mind, Tiffany. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think that um, in the Old Testament, especially, there is a lot of talk of of prophets. Um, I mean, Miriam is called a prophet. Deborah mm-hmm. is called a prophet. Um, Samuel, he gives salt warnings, divine guidance, and encouragement. Nathan goes and rebukes David. Mm-hmm. Um, in Second Samuel twelve, there's groups of people that are called prophets. There's um, a company of prophets in Second Kings. Um, in the Old Testament, it speaks of God speaking to people through visions, through dreams. Um, but um, so it seems like in the, in the Old Testament, there is um, this specific office of of prophet. So I think a question that I've had before and even actually last year. Um, so I lead uh, students um, last year when my girls were in sixth grade, one of them asked me, so does God talk to me like how he did to Isaiah? So we were, mm. you know, going through when um, the beginning of Isaiah, when he has this, you know, vision and, and God speaks to him directly and and I just, I thought that was such a great and perceptive question. And it can be so confusing because I think in the Old Testament, it just seems like God is talking to everyone, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. everyone's having mm-hmm. these visions and this like direct communication and God is telling them like exactly what they should do, exactly where they should go. And so it can feel confusing. Like, well, does God still speak that same way today? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we are, I think it's good for us to look at this, um, to think about it intellectually, think about it um, theologically, like what does the Bible say about it? But really we are people of the spirit, right? We believe in the supernatural. We believe that there is more than, than what we can just see with our eyes. We believe in the supernatural. Um, but I think what, so what was helpful for me is in Hebrews, um, the author of Hebrews starts off by talking about, I'll just read Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Um, And it says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And so, I mean, as Protestants, our inheritance, like from the Reformation, really is this emphasis on the authority of the text, on the authority of these um, authoritative scriptures that ultimately, I know we've talked about this before, but our faith really is rooted in the the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the authority rests in the people that were 
the eyewitnesses yeah. of these events, um, that just as if there was a picture taken of it, you know, they saw these events that happened, they write these things down. And so those are the texts that we consider authorita authoritative and inspired. Mm -hmm. And so there is a different level of authority invested in uh, the scripture that we have, in the writings that we have that, that date back to, you know, the first century. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the author of Hebrews, it says, he says that he has spoken to us by his son. And so that's why we, we do look to um, the Bible. We, we care about looking at those writings to, to get a, um, a picture of what God is saying. But I don't think it's necessarily as easy as, well, if we open up the Bible that, that God speaks, because the Bible doesn't necessarily answer like, okay, I, um, I want to know what job I'm supposed to take or what mm -hmm. college I'm supposed to go to or something like that. It's not like I can flip to page 73 and it's going to tell me who I should marry. Mm -hmm. um, but we do consider the, the writings of scripture to be authoritative, that God is speaking to us through those, through those words. That's such a helpful distinction, uh, especially in a world today where, you know, you can get in some pretty crazy stuff, at least how I interpret it is pretty crazy, where people are calling themselves prophet, and they would probably use it as a capital P. And <clears throat> so Moses is actually seen as a prophet. New Testament looks back on him, calls him a prophet. Jesus is, so, so if we're going to do all capital P's at that sense, then Jesus is the last great capital P prophet because he ends that. He ends as far as like biblical revelation, like the authoritative revelation for the church for all time. Uh, it, it has to stop with, with, with Jesus. In fact, we don't see any more of that going on uh, after Jesus because the, the prophets of the New Testament, lowercase p prophets, uh, they're, they're not like speaking on, they're not, they're not speaking apostolically. Mm -hmm. That's why they're different than the apostles. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus really is the last great prophet, uh, though he's more than a prophet, but in the sense that he's the, the spokesman for God, mm -hmm. that is the final authority or the ultimate authority. Uh, of course, being God himself in the flesh kind of seals the deal that no one can, no one can surpass that. It's the same way where when you look at the prophecies, it says that all the promises or the prophecies, the promises of God find their yes in him, in Jesus. And so just one more reason why Jesus is at least the, um, the exclamation mark that ends that kind of revelation, though we know he comes back. So kind of the question for a lot of people now is, because what you'll have is this, you'll have this pendulum swing Mm -hmm. that says, well, gosh, you know, mm -hmm. there's no more revelation. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and what we mean by that, or what I would assume they mean by that, and I've said the same thing at times, there's no more books of the Bible, mm -hmm. if you will. There's the canon, as we would say, the canon is closed, canon meaning the standard rule of faith. In other words, the books of the Bible that make up the books of the Bible, we're not adding to that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what cults do. So, but what happens is uh, sometimes when that pendulum uh, has has moved over, well, they'll say, and God gives no more revelation anymore. And I think that's kind of the rub. Mm -hmm. So in in the Christian world, there's a debate as to which, and we can we can just let me just dip my my toes in the water <laughs> here it, and we can run it. it. Yeah. <clears throat> there's a debate as to which of the gifts of the Spirit still are in operation today. And I think there are good arguments on both sides. Um, and so that, that drives people into one of two groups. You're either a continuationist. In other words, like the, the more spectacular gifts, miracles and signs and prophecies, uh, or at least miracles and signs, and maybe healing. Mm -hmm. those, have, can, those continue today, and um, they should, because they, they should not have stopped. Uh, other people would say, no, there's a whole group called secessionists, uh, from the root word to cease, where they said those absolutely existed in the first century. But they had a unique purpose, and when that purpose was fulfilled, 
And for many of the purposes, the church was established, the gospel's now getting out, uh, and maybe some would even say the scripture, the canon was closed, there was no need for that. That doesn't exist anymore. And so uh, there's, it, it, that's why it's a, it's a nuanced conversation about mm-hmm. it. And then really, I think there's just a lot of Christians, like for what I know now, I'm probably a, I'd like to think I'm a continuationist, but mm-hmm. pragmatically I'm a cessationist, and so I, I really don't know. That, that's why when we get into this kind of stuff, we're talking about, okay, so... We know that there aren't any capital P prophets today. The last one was Jesus, right? The Son of God. But what about these prophets after Jesus in the New Testament? What does that look like? And does prophecy that we see in the New Testament post-Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, yes, still in the apostolic age, but but post-Jesus, what what does that look like? What would could we do that? Has that gone away? Those are the questions that kind of bubble up to the surface and and just for the record, there are good people on all sides mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people that would say, yep, I still think that exists. And I, I'll, I'll, we can talk about how, how at least I understand that and how we taught that to Clear Creek in the past. Mm-hmm. And there are people that are like, no, that's, that's done and dusted. And uh, both people love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Both, people, mm-hmm. both people would say that the scripture, as Jenna pointed out, uh, is the ultimate authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Uh, just want to get that in there. Yeah, no, that's actually good because we do sort of have two different things. Like one, it's important to know that the canon is closed. We're not adding, there is there is no um, capital P prophet who can add more scripture. So we have this basis on which to test the prophecies, mm-hmm. yes. lowercase, Absolutely. New Testament, Absolutely. right? And we're told yeah. to, we're told not to despise them, but to test everything. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really important. And then also there is this continuation versus cessation conversation. And so that leads us well into the next question. Okay. Is this doctrine, this this doctrine of prophecy, is this an open-handed issue or a closed-handed issue? So open-handed, um, you can fall on either end of this spectrum and we can worship well together, do life together, be a, a, a corporate body. Um, or is this a um, closed-handed issue where hey, we really um, believe this is Im- important enough to, this, this is something to divide over. So what would you say? Is this an open-handed issue or a closed-handed issue? Well, what I guess I'd like to add to this is, um, again, I think on this journey that we are all on of trying to live as faithful followers of Jesus Christ, that I know for me a huge thing has been um, really untangling what do I believe because this is what I grew up with and this is what I've been told and this is how it was taught to me. Um, and I grew up in a wonderful church. Um, my parents are wonderful followers of Jesus. Um, I feel like I've, I've lived in this stuff my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like along the way, I probably picked up just my own ideas of what these, what these things mean. And so I think um, with, with everything, but I think with prophecy, I think, again, it is just the untangling of what have I assumed that it is or what have I heard that it is and what is the Bible really teaching that it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I, I, I have been all over the map on mm-hmm. what I, my convictions are yeah. about this and my convictions aren't even really that strong. <clears throat> Uh, and maybe I should say that differently. I, I have strong convictions almost about everything I believe, but this is one of those things, maybe the better word is I'm not so dogmatic about this one. Mm-hmm. So as to your question, this is, this is an, we talk about close-handed versus open-handed, a close-handed issue we're not going to let go of, we're going to fight about it, you know, the resurrection of Jesus. Open-handed issues are issues that we still have convictions about uh, and a perspective on, but we don't hold them so dogmatically, right, that, that we would separate fellowship or, or fight about it. And that's where prophecy is for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, 
I say that. I don't know why I just did this, but if you're watching <laughs> on video, I just I just let the hands go. Does it, I say that, trying to pause here. Every church, I mean, Jenna's church that she grew up in, the church that I were, was a part of, the church you, the churches that you've been a part of in your childhood and adulthood, all churches have to decide what are we going to do practically with this? Mm-hmm. It's one thing to say theologically we believe this, biblically we believe this, or that we're even open to this. Mm-hmm. But openness only means so much until someone does something that you're very uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, we're not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, I think uh, for Clear Creek, we are open-handed in this idea of prophecy. We're rather, we're, we're, we're in between open and closed on the practice of it. Maybe I'd say we're close-handed on it in the sense that uh, for those who believe that there are there is prophecy today by that, the Lord's laying on their heart something to say, and they feel like they need to say it maybe even to the church. We don't have a process for that in our worship services. I've got friends of mine uh, in very good churches. They do. Mm-hmm. They, they, prophecy is one of the elements in their service. Um, that is not at Clear Creek. Mm-hmm. And for a whole kind, whole host of reasons. One, it gets abused easily. Again, mm-hmm. the abuse of something doesn't negate the, the proper use of it, but it gets abused easily. Uh, there are a lot of people in our congregation and on our staff that would probably regard themselves as cessationists. So they don't believe this anyhow. Mm-hmm. They believe it happened for real in the first century, mm-hmm. but they would struggle with it today. So there's, there's all kinds of reasons why. Now, uh, I, I do say for people uh, that and we can talk about what that might look like. Like, what would a prophecy even look like? But we, we would say that, uh, and I would argue that it actually does happen. It usually happens in small groups. And I mean, I can, here in a bit, I can frame you ways that I think that it happens in the life of Clear Creek. But uh, just to answer the question, to come back around to it, it's open-handed for us. Mm-hmm. It's open-handed for us. And, and uh, But uh, though open-handed, we do have a preferred practice, uh, or not even preferred, a practice at Clear Creek that, that would probably... Uh, turn off someone who feels like, no, you ought to be able to do prophecy all the time, 24-7, and we, we're not there, and uh, that's okay. And I think regardless of where people fall on practice, I think a good caution is if this is a sign of the Spirit, a gift that is given to build up and to edify the right. church, I think if that sign is genuine, then it will produce the fruit of the Spirit. Right. Is, is this movement of the Spirit, is it full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? You know, is it self-controlled? Mm-hmm. And so... I think that as we maybe look at, um, we'll look later on about, you know, false prophets. Yeah. Is there a false motivation, an ulterior yeah. motive for um, gaining power, or control, yeah. um, money, anything like that? If it is not producing the fruit of the Spirit, then it can't be from the Spirit of God. And the volume of commands in the New Testament uh, far outweigh, are, are weighed more heavily with follow Jesus, pursue holiness, uh, live a life that's godly, then pursue prophecy. We yeah. we have one section that I read to you out of First mm-hmm. Corinthians, but everything else Paul wrote rarely ever. I mean, didn't even didn't even speak about that. Mm-hmm. That's not to say it's not worth talking about. But you know, there we got enough things we're going to struggle <laughs> with trying to just develop the fruit of the spirit right. in us and and have a life that reflects Jesus and being gospel centered. Uh, there's a thousand more verses about the goodness of the gospel than just what is prophecy, though it's it's a wonderful and important conversation to have. Yeah, and even, I mean, the text that we've been referring to in 1 Corinthians, right, which is like 12, 13, 14, mm-hmm. um, it's in the middle of like the love chapter mm-hmm. that we all hear about, right, mm-hmm. that's said a lot at weddings, love is patient, love is kind. And in that section, when he's talking about the spiritual gifts, he's even saying like, um, you should, um, I'm going to mess up his words, but basically you should be 
desiring love yeah. above all yeah. of these things. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it is easy to get caught up in like, what is this and how do we do it and all of that. But really what Paul is saying is like, pursue love above all of yeah. all of this. Yeah. Love is actually the most important thing and what holds it all together. These so, verses are like a point. rebuke, frankly. It's yes. in the context of a, of a loving Maybe even rebuke right. uh, because they haven't been loving each other well. They've been just trying. Who can be the best? Mm-hmm. Who's got the greatest gifts? Those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think this is. I, I love everything that you have said, um, Jenna. At, at the beginning, when you were talking about, um, you know, sometimes we we form opinions about this based on what we have. Uh, heard or seen or experienced. And one of the things I loved on like the first day of systematic, whenever I took it a couple years ago, uh, you said to us, Hey, we may disagree with each other. We may disagree with the author, but if you're going to, going to have a disagreement, let's do it from the text. So Mm -hmm. I think it's so important to, and it's hard work really to sort of untangle our ideas about this in our mind and just look at what the text says and go off of that more than what a a really great mind that I respect has said about this or what a book has said or what, besides this book, <laughs> I'm holding the Bible. Yeah. Um, that, that's the one that, that we should go to. And so I think it it is easy because this gets abused or because we've seen different ways in which someone has claimed that they're you know, prophesying or whatever. Like, what exactly is this? And I think going back to the text and sort of doing the hard work mm-hmm. of untangling that is a really good place to start. So good, good stuff, guys. Well, and I think it's like, is this doctrine, is it helping me to love God and love others? Yes. You know, Absolutely. like I said, is this doctrine, this intellectual theological belief is it only in my head or is it changing my heart and then changing the way that I live like yeah. is it producing the fruit of the spirit in me I just think that's a good good check yeah, on all absolutely of it. yeah and absolutely. when Paul talks about prophecy he's he's um he's asking like or he's asking us to ask does it give comfort does it build mm-hmm. up does it edify mm-hmm. those are the things we're going after so so with all of this um theological conversation we're having the burning question is, does it matter? Like, mm-hmm. what does this look like? If yeah. we have to practice something, does what does like? that look like? And how do we sort of live with this? Even if we fall on different ends of our yeah. our spectrum, how do we do this together? Yeah. What, what do you guys think this looks like for us? Let me do this. Let me let me paint a picture of what we said in the past at Clear Creek. And then uh, Jenna and T- Tiffany, y'all just jump in, especially if y'all, if y'all have engaged this also over the years. So we, we actually talked about this in a... In a message when we did First Corinthians, we talked through First Corinthians, I mean, years ago, we ought to just do it again. And then we just took, like, I don't know if it was a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, we just, we spoke on, we took one service just to talk about prophecy. You, you highlighted uh, the verse and kind of paraphrased it, but First Corinthians fourteen twenty nine, where Paul says, hey, if you're going to do this in the church service, or at least when the church gathers, let two or three prophets speak, let the others weigh what is said, and, and scholars would point to in the context, others are the elders. So here we have something new about, something different about New Testament prophecy. Whatever it was, we know that it wasn't authoritative like the prophets of old because Mm -hmm. the church leaders basically said, yay or nay. Like, you know, let's just say Jenna was, and they had prophets and prophetesses. Mm -hmm. So a little more than preaching, like Southern Baptists, and that's my tradition, and I'm I'm grateful for it. They would kind of, sometimes I feel like they hide a little bit behind prophets saying, that's just preaching. Well, actually, the Bible talks about preaching and prophecy as two different things. So mm-hmm. in the New Testament, we have male prophets and female prophets. I don't know why I just pointed to Jenna's <laughs> a female prophet. She may have, she may be. Apparently, Prophetess, pe- people that had that gift in such a consistent way that they were recognized as prophets and prophetesses, that they, uh, they exercised that somehow within the church community, their local church community. And they would feel strongly... I'm just going to guess, somehow they got this impression that they had a report to give that the Spirit laid on their heart about information they didn't know. I mean, it was just something that God laid on their heart 
uh, about something they did not know about that they needed to communicate. But they had to go to the elders. They couldn't even, they first of all, I do it in order, mm -hmm. uh, two or three, so not a lot of people, and uh, I guess depending on how large the church is. And then they had to go report that to an elder or elders, and the elders weighed using the scriptures, mm -hmm. right? So back mm -hmm. to Jenna, what you were saying. The, they're the highest level of local authority or authority in a local church, and they're using the scriptures, which is the highest level of authority we have, save Jesus, his word. And so they're like, nope, can't say that. Or yeah, we can say some of this. I mean, they're, that's crazy to me because uh, the prophets you hear that boast about being modern day prophets today, we were mm -hmm. talking about this before, they're like, I, they're basically Christianese, you know, papered over fortune tellers. Mm -hmm. And so it's not what we're talking about. Right? <laughs> so uh, if you were to say like, what, what would that even look like? Here's what I've seen from Acts and gleaned from what maybe Paul's saying here. Uh, the, the reason I say that, that I like the definition of uh, a, a modern day prophecy would be where the Lord lays something on, I'm going to use Jennifer for example, like God lays something on her heart that she did not know about, some kind of word or message or insight. And uh, let's just say in the context, it's about has to do with you. And I almost always think it's about mission because that's what I see in the New Testament. It's mm -hmm. always missional, but I don't, I'm not saying that the Lord could, could say like, you know, I don't, I don't know, whatever, uh, go get this job because he could be that directional, obviously, if he wanted to. And, and there are some things where Paul's told not to go places. And Jenna gets to bring that to you because she feels led to do that and, and says, and so here's how we've said it to Clear Creek in the past. Uh, if you feel, well, first of all, what I tell people is this, because we always have people that are always... We always have people that are nervous about this, and mm -hmm. they come from traditions where, you know, that, that water pipe was shut off when <laughs> Jesus shut it yep, off. Yep. <clears throat> and I'm okay with that. I get it. Mm -hmm. But I'll talk to those kind of communities, and my community was like that. My, my Southern Baptist background was like, but I always had people tell me, hey, Yancey, the Lord has laid this on my heart. Or, um, you know, I've got a burden from God to share with you. And I would essentially say, I would say, in essence, that's the, that's the same thing. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. the, the people that lean on more, being more explicit with, with prophecy, they're just a little more confident about it. They, <laughs> they don't mind using words like, this is what the Lord is saying. So what I've told Clear Creekers to do is, because uh, I remember just saying, by a show of hands, have you ever been in a place where you felt the Holy Spirit was burdening your heart to say something to someone that you would have never done before, but you just had this overwhelming compulsion to, to say something. And uh, I mean, the majority of the room raised their hands. And I would say, from what I understand, that's part of the prophetic. Uh, and if you don't want to call it prophetic, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> we're just saying the Holy Spirit continues to work in that way. And it seems very similar, parallel to what we see in the New Testament, though they were probably more open to that because that prophecy, I mean, Jenna was right. Prophecy is, prophecy is not even new to Israel or Christianity. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're prophets from others, false prophets, and, and we can get into that. So what I've said is, uh, to make people feel better, uh, and I think this is a wise thing to do, if the New Testament guys had to, prophets and prophetesses, had to have their words, their impressions, whatever they are, had to be tested by the elders, which is essentially tested by the scriptures the elders hopefully are leaning into. And if Paul in Acts 21, receives a message from Agabus, which is don't go to Jerusalem because the Jews are going to bind you up and you're going to die there. And I always think it's amazing as Paul goes, I'm still going. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> he had clarity. Yep. And he goes to Jerusalem and the Jews don't bind him up. The Romans do. Mm -hmm. um, and he gets sent to Rome to be executed. So it's like the whatever Agabus was, that sense, it's kind of like an antenna. He picked up on a signal and there's truth in what he told Paul, but it wasn't 
every detail was, was correct. And so because there's room for errors, all I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. right? because you're, you're trying to hear the word, you're trying to hear the spirit in you, uh, the spirit speaking to you, I should say. Um, I tell people to nuance the dog out mm-hmm. of what you say to someone, <laughs> yes. Not to, to, to um, if you will, uh, play it safe by saying this, listen, I, I could be totally wrong on it. Like I would say, Jenna would come to you because Jenna would know all this anyhow. She'd say, all right, Tiffany, listen, I feel strongly that the Spirit's saying something to me and I could be totally wrong, but here, I just feel the need to tell you this, X, Y, or Z. Um, I, my joke in Systematic is like, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or the chili dog I had this morning, <laughs> but I still feel led to share this with you. I, what I would tell people to do is to stay away from language like, the Lord is telling me to tell you, and that's it. Um, because you've put that person in a bind, not just emotionally, but spiritually, because now they, what if they don't believe you? Are they disobeying the Lord? So you're almost doing a capital P prophet there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you definitely don't ever want to say, uh, thus saith the Lord. Like, you know, mm-hmm. hey, here's what I think, thus saith the Lord. That That's that's just, you're not operating, you're operating as a capital P prophet from the Old Testament, not at least a New Testament sense of the gift of prophecy. And there's actually arguments in the Bible uh, among theologians whether the gift of prophecy in the New Testament is something that someone is gifted with or it just is episodic. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even, it doesn't matter to me because I, I think it could be any one of those times. I've had that. I've had that happen in my life. Um, I, my, my, I remember coming back from a navigator retreat and I'm with my wife, Jennifer. We're sitting next to each other. And all of a sudden she says to me, uh, you need to call your brother. I, I sense the spirit telling me that you need to call your brother right now. I could, I could be wrong, and, but I, you need to call Jody. And I said, well, you know, okay, pulled out my phone and called him. And he's like, I cannot believe you called. There was this big thing that was going on. And, and my brother was very fearful. And he cried out to God, God, I need help. And as soon as he said that, I called him. Mm-hmm. So now we can all call that coincidental. But I would say there's an element of the prophetic there that I think mm-hmm. does justice to what we see in the New Testament. So mm-hmm. that's just a small vignette of how I see that operating and a caution to Clear Creekers to say, I think most of this happens in small group, but if the Lord lays something on your heart, uh, then, then you, you should share that, but share that in a way that gives grace to, you could be wrong, uh, or that whatever God laid on you was right on. You just kind of garbled it up in your own head, uh, or you hit it right on the head and it's exactly what the Lord laid on your heart is exactly what you said. So those are the kind of ways I think at Clear Creek that we can have the pendulum swing back more towards the middle by saying, we're not kicking something. We're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. And at the same time, we want to be protected from bad theology uh, error in thinking, mm-hmm. unsound doctrine, uh, and as Jenna said so beautifully, where where we can keep love and the unity of the Spirit right in the middle of it. So I know it's a long-winded answer, <laughs> but that's kind of how I've taught that in the past. Yeah, so. no, but I, I do think that's helpful. I think it's uh, good to give us sort of guidelines because I do think sometimes this can get muddy too with just the vocabulary that we use, right? Oh, for sure. I might be... Might be saying to someone, hey, I was praying this morning, I was reading my Bible, and this came to mind, versus, hey, God told me to tell you. Right. <laughs> Two very different things, but maybe we mean the same thing in essence, mm-hmm. right? So sure. I, I do think that that is uh, a good, helpful guideline, and an important distinction, too, between capital P prophet and lowercase New Testament prophet that we haven't quite touched on is uh, a really important event that happened in between then is Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, mm-hmm. so therefore we have the Holy Spirit in us. So mm-hmm. in the True. Old Testament, True. the the whole body was not indwelt by the Holy Spirit when mm-hmm. we are now. So I, I might say something because I feel led by the Holy Spirit, and you get to test it because you have the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. which is something the, the Old Testament um, believers weren't 
Equipped. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, well, no, just so when I was researching for this and getting ready for this podcast, um, just when I did a quick Google search on modern day prophets, uh, one of the first few that popped up, I'm not going to say the name, but it was someone that considered themselves a master prophet. So on their website, you could request a free prophecy. Um, you could schedule a conference call. Um, but on the website, um, he says, I am a master prophet and I can truly decree a thing and see it established just like the prophet's of scriptures. As a master prophet, not only am I able to accurately see and speak to you about your past, present, and future, but I also give you clear insight and understanding of what God has planned for you. And he goes on to call himself um, God's mouthpiece um, to help people understand um, their health, wealth, family, and career goals. And um, he goes on to say a lot more, but I think um, kind of like we've touched on this, this desire to hear the, the divine will is not unique to our time period mm. or the time of Jesus or even not unique to Israel. Um, in the ancient Near East, there were people that were, they were diviners, that they were trying to seek the will of the gods, um, trying to divine uh, to, to understand um, what the will of the gods was. And so there was this whole office of, of divination back then. Um, and I think what is really uh, tragic when we see people in our day doing that is I think it plays on this vulnerability or a desperation of someone who really does want to know the will of God. I think that there's probably a lot of people that have used and abused this authority, this authority, quote, quote unquote, yeah. scare quotes, scare quotes, authority. Um, and I think throughout human history, there's a lot of people that use power to abuse, control, and manipulate vulnerable people. And so I think that there are certainly people that use it um, for manipulation or for false reasons, but I think there are also a lot of people who have that, that good and genuine instinct to want to know the will of God. Like mm -hmm. I have this big decision to make, maybe it's about what school I'm going to go to or what job I'm going to pick or who I'm going to marry or um, a problem with, with kids, like I really want kids or I'm struggling with the kids that I have or um, disease, sickness, right? Where we're, we're desperate to hear the voice of the Lord. We mm -hmm. want to know God's will. And I think there's a really beautiful instinct of that. Um, but we, that's not how God works, right? God is relational. He is not to be manipulated. God is relational. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is, um, it is a good thing to want to seek the will of God and to seek the heart of God, um, but not to, to overstep that through these um, trying to crack a code or a formula, or I can do these certain things to, to twist the will of God so I can determine exactly what I'm supposed to do, whether that is, I mean, horoscopes or uh, fortune cookies or, um, or even just a simple thing like, um, oh, this happened today. This, is, this means God wants me to do this. Um, but I think that it is a good desire to seek the heart of God and to seek the will of God. And I think when we really just zoom out and remember the big picture of all of this, that, that God is an all-powerful God who does want to communicate to humans. He wants to work through humans. He wants to bring his peace, his love, his, his righteous rule to the whole world. And as his image bearers, we get to partake in that. I think that gives us a lot of freedom of if I want to know what God wants me to do, but I don't want to mess it up. But if I am walking in the spirit, if I am seeking the Lord, like that is the way for me to know the will of God, the heart of God that I don't need a fortune cookie to tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do. But it is, if I'm walking in step with the spirit, then I can trust that God is going to be guiding me. Yeah, I think um, prophecy is, is much more preferred in the context of community that you already yes. know. 
And I'm always leery of someone who says that they're a prophet and they're, they're really just a grifter. They're just trying to get something from somebody, mm-hmm. whether that they want notoriety or power or control. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know, that, that's true. And then there's, there's a humility about them uh, that they, they know that they could be wrong and they just want to help and they just want to move people forward. I, I love what Jenna says that um, the, the, if you're trying to seek direction, you don't need to find a prophet. Uh, this is why we pray to mm-hmm. the Lord. This is why we live in community. Mm-hmm. It's why we seek wisdom. It's why we uh, go to the scriptures to be shaped by them, to know these are the values and the character of Jesus and his kingdom. And now I make decisions in light of that because I have a good sovereign God uh, who's not just a, uh, not just a, a, a God, uh, but a father who cares mm-hmm. for me and a king who loves me. So, uh, but with that said, uh, there may be times where the Lord brings someone into your life that you know that uh, follows Jesus, that has a that has maybe a, a word from God uh, that you ought to test. Again, I, I'm 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 I don't want to put word from God in all caps. Uh, and I've again I, I know people have done that. I've I mean re- even recently I've had people it, it's, and at Clear Creek sometimes because of the role that I have. People want to come talk to me, and they'll want to say things to me. And I've had two people in the last six months. Uh, one had a word about my wife, felt like they had a word about my wife and her health. And uh, one other uh, a gentleman said that he just had a word about a uh, sense that he needed to tell me some stuff about how, just some stuff. Mm-hmm. So I want to keep those confident, but, uh, confidential. But uh, how I receive those is I'm I'm open to receiving that, knowing that I'm going to test that stuff and go. I'm not putting my stock in this like I am God's word, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to be uh, wherever I could see that could be true. Then we'll just see how it plays out. Uh, so I'm, I I don't want to close off my ears to anything that the Spirit might be telling someone in my community, mm-hmm. and so um, so th- that's that's where I'd still put it. Like everything, uh, all of the the. The correctives that Jenna's talking about, those are for real. Like we, that's, mm-hmm. that's why people even get leery talking about these kinds right. of things. But, but even though there are abuses, and there are abuses, we, we've got to be able to, at least for those who are open, to got to be able to, to think, how can we do this in a way that honors Jesus? And I'm not putting my friend on the spot. And I'm actually not putting my life on the line, my, 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 not life on the line, my faith on the line said, well, I just said Jesus said this to me, and now i got to <laughs> say this to her. And mm-hmm. Instead of going, well, I have a, so I, I tend to like to use the words, I, got, I have an impression, I feel a leading, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe that's the Southern Baptist in me that still has that seatbelt. But uh, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't hurt you, though, because right. uh, mm-hmm. it allows you to say, uh, I'm just doing this personally, I don't have an elder here, so this is just what I want, uh, I think God wants you to know. And um I've seen it happen, so I, I'm I'm probably if the, if the needle for me, I, I'm a continuationist on that. But um, I'd like to say I'm a uh, I'm I'm a very I'm still in the seatbelt continuationist. Like I want to do this well mm-hmm. in a way that just as you beautifully said, that honors Jesus, mm-hmm. that makes him the hero, that he takes the spotlight, mm-hmm. uh, and that recognizes I'm a I'm a frail, uh, still sinful human being saved by Jesus and being sanctified, but. The Lord lays something on my heart. I could totally mess it up, but I need to be faithful to share if the Lord burns my heart to do so. Yeah. I'm so. glad you said that. I told my husband this morning, I'm a, I'm a continuation-ish. Yes. <laughs> continuation-ish. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably well, be a good thing for Clear Creek. Yeah, we're continuation-ish for most of us. Some of us aren't. We're, yeah. Sure. Uh, or maybe some people would say they're cessation-ish. Yeah. Uh, we're just in that, that messy middle a little exactly. bit. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I do think that's really helpful, and I think... Um, 
in the in the in light of testing all of these things, this isn't one of my questions, but I'm going to ask it. Uh, what, how can we test these prophecies? Like, what do we? How do we know that they're they're legit or not? So they won't go against God's word, for example, yeah. right? What else? How else can we test these prophecies? Do you think? Well, I think I, I mean I think we have touched on this, but um, just on what God has already clearly revealed mm-hmm. um, through again through these authority authoritative texts. So again, the New Testament, the the people that were eyewitnesses to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and then letters, writings of people who, you know, were also the the apostles um, that really built the foundation of our beliefs on. So in the New Testament, we really, we look at those texts, um, we consider them sort authoritative, and then even the Old Testament, we consider authoritative because those were the the teachings that, that Jesus was immersed in, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus considered the Old Testament writings authoritative, and so that's why we look to the writings that we do have this, um, not that it's one book, it's a library of books. It's a collection of books because we believe that God is a God that wants to communicate with us. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the all powerful creator of the universe that does want to, um, partner with humans. He communicates to humans. Um, but it's not as easy as, uh, pulling the fortune cookie, you know, right. or, um, in the ancient Near East, they would pour oil and water in the way that it would yep. kind of mm. settle. They would look for, um, a secret message from the gods that had to be decoded. So that's not the way that, that God, that Yahweh operates. Um, so I think testing it, uh, with the, the revealed authoritative scripture that we have, um, but again, again, also like, is this something that, um, is the fruit of the spirit? Is this yes. producing, yeah. um, the fruit within me? Is this in line with the heart of God, with the character of God? Is this causing me to love God more? Is this causing me to love people more? Um, and if we can kind of check all those, then I really do think there is a freedom to walk in that, not being so worried, like, am I going to make the wrong decision? Right. Right. But trusting yeah. like, if, if God is fully in control and if I am seeking his heart, seeking his will, he's not trying to trip us up. He's not trying to say, oh, well, don't, if you do that, you know, it's all going to go bad or don't say that or, you know, da, da, da. he's not trying to trip us up. Um, I think that truly what honors him is a heart that, that is seeking him, that wants his will. And then we just, we just walk trusting yep. that he's mm-hmm. guiding our steps. Yeah. I, yep. I agree with every, every ounce of that. I, if if uh, if what I'm being told from someone in in the spirit of the prophetic, uh, to use a phrase, if it feels more like the Father's heart for me, I'm much more open than if it feels like a fortune mm-hmm. cookie mm-hmm. or a genie in a bottle mm-hmm. or something to make me more wealthy and healthy, like mm-hmm. like it's just the American dream magnified. I'm going to be leery of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, the prophecy might be maybe the more prophetic ones that were from God is you're going to suffer more, you know, (laughs) you're going to lose something, uh, but you're going to gain a whole lot of missional traction. Mm -hmm. I mean, what Agabus told Paul was not good news that he was Mm going to die. And guess what? Ultimately that, that prophecy turned true. He was going to be bound and taken to Rome ultimately and beheaded. But Paul knew that, uh, it was all part of God's mission to get the gospel to the world. If he could get it to Rome, he got it to the world. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I I I want to still uh, live a Christianity where the Holy Spirit's very much alive, and mm-hmm. He very much still speaks to His people, but in a way as the Father sends Him, if you will, to to help shepherd our hearts uh, in a way that glorifies God, not us. Mm-hmm. So those are the kind of controls we would have. And believe me, if if uh, if someone ever feels like they've got uh, you know a leading from the Lord, which is a good safe language to use, right? <laughs> uh, if they're people that never do it, those are the people I tend to trust more mm-hmm. uh, because they're they're not going for an angle. Yeah. Uh, they're usually hesitant. But if they're so 
they're so compelled that they still have to come tell you, I, I want to listen to that, knowing that, you know, maybe right, maybe wrong. We'll, we'll just walk in faithfulness and uh, see what the Lord does. And then if there's truth to that, that's an encouragement, that's a hope, I'm going to softly lean into that and we'll see what the Lord does. So Awesome. Very good. Well, this was an encouraging conversation. Um, I appreciate both of your time. I appreciate your wisdom and love it. Thank you guys for stopping by the podcast Appreciate today. you, Tiffany. Yes, Thank you for your time. You.